that's how everybody was. And everybody got along in that locker room. It just made it so fun to come to work. It wasn't even work. It really, it really wasn't even work. To come into the stadium, to play for a coach that we played for, to have the team that we had, it was just so much fun and it wasn't even work. Welcome to another drama-filled edition of The Waggle, your million-dollar edition, if you will, Chezzy, which, let's face it, even when Austin Powers kind of blew up on the scene some 20 years ago, million dollars even wasn't what it was then, but I digress, right? I still take a million dollars. You? All, all day, buddy. There we go. There we go. That's why we work in media. Uh, my name is James Sabalski alongside David Sanchez. We're going to look ahead to week number five, a bonus game in week number five. Uh, Chessie's also got some hot tips, hot tips, hot tips on how you might be able to take advantage on uh, maximizing your point return on CFL TSN Fantasy Football. I got a, I got a couple and of Garys, Sabalski. I got a you couple got some of Garys. Garys. Okay. And, and you know who likes Garys? Everybody, Everybody likes a Gary. You know what else is a really good? You know who else is a, a Gary right now these days? The Hamilton Tie Cats are Garys right now. The whole collection of Garys right now. And 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 what 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 Jesse means, and if if you're a listener of the show, you know what it means. But for those of you who may be joining us for the first time, first off, what took you so long? But secondly, Chesy, what does a Gary mean? Well, uh, a Gary is. What happens when you play the tie? Your chance, your chances of putting up 400 yards passing against the Tie Cats is a Gary. That's a guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> it's a guarantee and a W that comes with it too. So it's like it's like getting a great report card to bring home. It's like this one I don't need to hide from my fam, my from my parents. This is one I can actually show. Hey, did you see? I look, I got an A. <laughs> No uh, yeah. What did you get it in? What did no you get can- it in? Uh. I got it in beating up the Hamilton Tie Cats. Shabowski, <laughs> oh. no, no Kane, no Emmanuel Davis, and more, more importantly, no Orlando Steinauer. So they're taking some time. I'm not. Oh. We're joking. We're having some fun with it. I'm not as well. I'm concerned, but uh, their team is still a team. I think has an opportunity if they pull things together to be a team that can still contend at the end. And, and one, one other thing. Uh, we're, while we're on the Ticats, I spoke to someone before before camp started, um, a member of the organization, and they told me that this team uh, had the most the most the most leaders of any team they had been around, and they've been in the CFL for over a decade. And this group had uh, the best group of leaders that he'd ever seen, and that to me is I mean he named a few of them guys I didn't know were necessarily leaders like Adrian Tracy, um, Larry Dean. Uh, just some guys I didn't know. I know that Simone Lawrence is a leader, and I, I know Zach's a leader, but some of these other guys John I didn't Chick. know were leaders. Yeah, I know John Chick, too. I didn't know uh, some of these other guys that he had mentioned. And I just, when you say, when you go to the, the extent of that to say maybe the best group of leaders that ever been around, this is before, you know, this is not saying it to save face for an 0-3 start here. This is just saying it before, before the season started. So that being said, I think the locker room will stay together. And, and you have a locker room that can stay together. And you trust the process, uh, and you have Zach as a quarterback. I think you can you get some of these guys back off of injury, and uh, and uh, you know find a way to remember this receiving core too is our guys who Zach has spent a lot of time with. You know, there's no no Terrence Tolliver, no Andy Fantuz, you know, no Chad Owens. These guys are going to take some time. So add that to the mix, along with the missing defensive backs, and you know a new DC. 
it's take time and it's it's understandable. Well, hey, on the positive side, they're only a point back of the defending Grey Cup champions in the <laughs> East Division, so there, there's something. There's a nice consolation, too. But, you know, I, I'll say this. Davis, you were the one who I think first raised the issue right here on this show a week ago talking about some rumblings that there might be some uh, some tension or there might be uh, a little bit of a disconnect with respect to Kent Austin and Zach Caleros. And well, I, don't know if I, I don't know if I, I, don't know if I said that. I said it maybe well, I had heard that and I had yeah, heard some rum, rumblings. Yeah, okay. That's it. Enough. Yeah, <laughs> you, but you know, but but you 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 had brought who you had brought it up and saying Did you that see somebody... Kent in the press conference after the game? He was <laughs> he was he was not happy with who brought who brought that that up. That was Glenn Glenn Suter. He jumped on bringing that up. Now, first thing you want to do is leave the show off. Davis, you were the first one to bring that up. Like, yeah, what are you, exactly. what are you trying well, to no, do? No, but I want to give. Exactly. I want anything, anything. But but in fairness, in fairness, hey, we don't obviously have the. We're just a podcast. We're just a lowly podcast here, everybody. To channel my inner uh, frozen cape. Exactly. We can say everything. You were the one who first reported that it was Doug Flutie who had uh, signed with the Argos back 21 (laughs) years ago. Um, No, I I I would say this and. I just want to point out that you had brought up the there might be and you'd heard some rumblings that there was some disconnect. Not that you had had matter of fact information, but there were some rumblings no, that I, you I had heard. Several, I heard several things, times. Yeah. 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 yeah, and so that got magnified, and obviously somebody else had brought it up in a much grander platform on a national televised game live with Glenn Suter who brought it up, and and others had followed up with the questioning, and everybody's very insistent, and both Zach Caleros and Ken Austin and Ken, to your point, was ready to kick the you know what out of. Uh, <laughs> I think it was I think it might have been Drew Edwards who who raised the question after the Hamilton. It was Shinetti. It was Shinetti who asked the who asked the question first. Was it Matt? Okay, it was Matthew was that, Shinetti, so. and he jumped on Shinetti and. Someone else might have been Drew Evers who, who chimed in and kind of helped out uh, uh, Shinetti or jumped in with Shinetti to back him up on the on the facts of exactly who said it. So they had a two on one against against two on Kent one. at yeah, the yeah. time. And, and even and even and even then, with no no due, no disrespect to Matt or, or Drew, but I, I you know Ken still looks volatile enough to maybe handle the two of them <laughs> in, a, in a two on one match. Volatile you know? is like I, great I, word. I don't even know if I'd like you and I to handle Ken no. angry Ken Austin no. at that like, not, you know, That guy's got he's got that stare. I'm not he's messing with him. He's got that stare. No, no, I'm no. not messing with him. No, yeah, no. Like, look, he's got that stern look, man. It's uh, it's funny, but but the point being is. Everybody's insistent in Hamilton that nothing is wrong, everything is fine, and everything is okay. But, uh, you know, it's obvious that it's not. And it seems to be that, you know, you talk about the receiving element, and, but but it's more than that. And, and look, you've got to be leaguered secondary. And they went out and they tried to sign Abdul Kane, who was one of the real plums of the free agent crop and a very, very, very strong free agent crop this offseason. And, and he's been hurt. And Emmanuel Davis is obviously has, has had some injury issues as well. But, you know, this team is just defensively they're too good there's still too many good players on this team to not allow uh their teams or their secondary to have some sort of some form of success you're paying Zach Caleros again I said this last week you know he makes too much money to not help generate W's or to to deserve or to put up a better fight offensively and defensively 
look, you still got a bunch of sick players on there. And I'm talking about the Chicks. I'm talking about the Lawrences. I'm talking about the Lorans. There are too many guys out there that that are well-paid, well-compensated, and established enough. And you talk about exactly the point that you said with leaders. You know what? Then step up and go and play. Uh, because, quite frankly, everybody's having career nights. Travis Lule, who had barely played last year. This guy's barely played in the last few years, for that matter. And, I, and Travis comes out, and it's a great story in one breath, unless you're a Hamilton Ticat, who you gave up over 400 yards to a guy who's been holding a clipboard for the last two years. Like, everybody's having a career day. This is why we talk about the Gary effect with the Hamilton Ticats. You've got a lot of fans that are sitting there hammering the phone lines on the talk shows after the game. They want to see change. A lot of people suggesting that Kent Austin should be shown the door. I do wonder, and we talked about this in the offseason, I thought that if there was a coach who might be on the hot seat first, I thought Kent Austin would be that guy. It's obvious that's the case right now. I don't think it's time to pull the plug and to make a move as dramatic or as drastic as that just yet. But I think if the bleeding continues at this point, uh, I think you might have to consider something. And it doesn't get any easier this week with a Week 5 matchup Thursday, Chez, against the best team in the CFL right now based on record and based on the way they're playing, the Edmonton Eskimos, who look much more like the team that won the Grey Cup in 2015 than the team that seemed to struggle to find an identity for most of last season. That's going to be a tough game. In, 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 in Hamilton, actually, yeah. So it's, yeah. In, in Hamilton, it's a home game, so that's, that's a good sign. But their schedule, they go – uh, it goes. It goes. Edmonton, Calgary, Edmonton. I believe. Let me take it. Yeah, it's Edmonton. Then they play Cal- at Calgary, and then at Edmonton. Like <laughs> that's Hamilton's next three games. That so they're. Uh, oh. It's not, it doesn't get any easier for the Tie Cats. So that's. It's important that you know they they uh, those guys who are leaders that who, uh, who need to step up and and you know just play. You know it's. I know it sounds cliche, but it's it's reality, and that's one play at a time. You know. One day at a time, one one play at a time, and that's the only way you can dig out of these things. You sit and you can't get four wins on one player in one day, and so you can't get, you know, you can't play four quarters in one play. You gotta you gotta take it one play at a time and just hone in on doing your assignment and getting that play done and moving on. And that's the process that that these guys will, you know, the, the vet guys and leaders will will know how to handle this, and that's the only way you can go about it. And is uh, you know, one brick at a time, buddy. Yeah, you know, and, and, and in fairness, and, and look, in, in the case of the Tabbies, it's not it's not out of reach just yet. First place is only 2-2 two and two right now in the East. And you've got a game in hand having had a bye week in week number two. So, you know, you've got a game in hand. You win one, you win two, you're right there in the thick of things. You're only a point back of the defending Great Cup champions. So... It's not like they're the only ones that have scuffled. It's not like they're the only ones that uh, have had a tough go so far in the first month or so of the CFL season. But it's just, it's been the alarming play on the field on both sides of the football. The struggles offensively, uh, where we saw an improvement against the Lions, but still not enough. And just the way that they've been absolutely kicked around defensively. Uh, where I thought that this might be a real strength of the team, 
Um, it clearly isn't right now, and that might be something that you have to keep an eye on in terms of what sort of changes they might make. I know injuries play a part of it. Obviously, Abdul Kane is uh, is a game changer on the field, but it, one guy does not make a football team, Chez, and you know that as well as you know that as well as anybody. I mean, one guy can certainly have an impact if you're a star player, but. It's much. It, it seems to be much more than just, hey, we're missing Abdul Kane right now in Hamilton. No, we, we can, let's move on from Hamilton. But I, I'm, I'm with you. But it's the receivers too. Yeah. Also, that's we gotta we gotta, we gotta remember that yep. too. But there's a lot. There's a lot of pieces that they go into this. But uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we might as well get into the issue. Uh, so that's that's the latest on the Hamilton Ticats. We might as well get into it. It's it's certainly been much discussed uh, over the last week or so. The uh, the million dollar flag and the issues that people have had with respect to officiating uh, on that play last week between the Bombers and the Argos and. Uh, we know that the CFL, uh, the Bombers, and Safeway Sobies, they all reached out to uh, Karen Coldis, who's now become a household name across Canada. Karen, you're a household name, and I don't know if it's for the right reasons. That's the, at least you didn't get arrested, and that's what, that, that's a positive thing. But as uh, unless you've been living under a rock for the better part of the last seven days... Um, Safeway uh, has the the million dollar uh, play, and uh, so what happens? You've got a touchdown return uh, in the first quarter, and then in the second uh, in the second quarter, you had Levi Noel called for an illegal block on Winnipeg's Mike Miller, and it ultimately negates a million dollar prize being handed out to Karen Coldis, who was the eligible candidate for the thousands and thousands of people who enter this contest with uh, Safeway School and Win and a million dollar opportunity, a great promotional opportunity and uh, a real feel good story that generates buzz. You think about the headlines, fan wins a million dollars in CFL play, but instead the flag is thrown, the play's negated, the million dollars gets put back in the bank and the headline even on ESPN, even ESPN's talking about this, Chez, and it's, you know, the flag costs fan a million dollars, and it's we're talking about it in a negative light, and it seems to be officiating that comes up time and time and time again. Uh, is there a problem with officiating? I think a lot of people would sit there and say yes, uh, with respect to the Canadian Football League, and I think there's the, the officiating has the, the officiating has been it has jumped leaps and bounds, and I, I think is whoever threw that flag, he's the one that needs to be scrutinized and needs to figure it out because that there's no way he actually saw that whole uh, play go down, or he would have thrown the flag. What he did see though was uh, Miller hit the ground, and and, yeah. and 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 Levi Noel being behind Miller. And the fact that Levi Noel, what's Noel's first name? Levi, right? And yep. Noel being being behind Miller and then Miller being on the ground. And if you see that, then it looks like a block on the back. But if you would have saw where Miller came from and watched Miller run in front of Noel, which forced Noel to, to put on the brakes, and, and, and that's how he fell down, then he wouldn't have thrown the flag. So that's – anyway, my point is – my point is inter, sorry to interject, James, but I don't yep. think that no. – because I've, I've heard this about – that I've heard, heard a few people say the officiating, the officiating. I think that's nonsense. I've been around this league for uh, two, almost two decades, and, and the officiating has gotten a lot better. And I think the officiating they're doing a good job of it. I think that particular call stunk. 
But let's let's call it what it is. Let's call that let's call out that call by that official and say it stunk. But to put a blanket over the whole the whole system, the whole officiating crews, the whole uh, any improvement or, or steps that have been made over the last decade, uh, year by year, to make the, make the officiating better. The NFL, CFL uh, um, collab they're doing and, and everything else I've seen and improvements to throw a blanket over all of it and say it all stinks because of a, a couple bad calls I think is I think is is irresponsible from everyone who's who's done it to be honest. Well, and I, I think in fairness though, it, it's it's an it happens on a night that there's no other real sporting event going on on the pro stage really. It's you know the yeah, CFL no, no, yeah, got the right. entire platform, so it's one of those things. It's a moment becomes magnified. But here we are, four weeks into the season, and you know there's been a lot of really good stories. Hey, look at how close some of these games have been week after week after week. So I mean, you talk about the parity. There's been a lot of po- po- positives that have been overshadowed, but. I think you look at week one, uh, you look at the opening season, you look at some of those uh, some of those plays in the first couple of weeks of the season, the questionable touchdowns, the reviews, the plays, were they fumbles, were, were they drop balls, did they cross the goal line, did they not? I, I think that's where it's fresh in people's minds right now. I think the good still outweighs the bad. I think we have yeah. video replay, which ultimately scrutinizes the game, for, and it's a lot easier to call the game while we sit on our couches at home with a remote in our hand and can rack back the DVRs and the PVR systems. I am the master of just rewinding and watching a play over and over again, even when a commercial break while they're still reviewing a play. I get it, and it's a hard, thankless job for officials, and I think any minor official in kids' rec league programs, whether it's minor baseball or minor hockey or minor football, soccer for that matter, everybody that steps up to be an official puts themselves into be subject to be scrutinized time and time again. It's like being a cop in a lot of ways, right? You know, you're always the villain when you're just when you're handing out tickets. Everybody hates a cop when you're and so from an officiating standpoint, I think the good still or you're tasering the bad. people. Yeah, or you're tasering people, exactly. Or, or clubbing somebody. Yeah. I mean that's oh wait a minute, that's 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 what we'd probably call a bad cop sometimes. By the way, like, I, um, I love I love but, the police they are I love the police just like you do, James. I got love. I, 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 I got. I have love. I've only. I've only had good. Good incidents. Again. And again, Chez, that's because the good outweighs the yeah. bad. Unfortunately, a bad play or a bad everybody official, wants to talk about um, it. Yes, everybody wants to talk because oh, that's it, what I'm, and that's it, my point. And it spoils just, it for everybody. That's my it point. It spoils though. it for everybody. Please, isolate. That's the point. I, I'm not. Even, I won't even. I'm not going to continue to beat this to death because I want to talk about some yeah. football. But it just. I just. The one thing I will say to on my end to end it is, just isolate. I'll jump on it if it's you know if it's if it's fair and it's. It needs to be talked about. I'm all for being real and, and talk about it. And if it's BS and it's a bad call, then, hey, it's a bad call. We all make mistakes in whatever we do, and let's point out and let's move on with it. But isolate it. Don't blanket the whole thing. Oh, here we go again. Oh, wow, wow. That's just nonsense. It's piling on, and it's it's what you said. It, there's It's haters, and it's, it's people just looking for negativity. And unfortunately, there's more of those than, than positivity, and I and I – you know that sells. It, th- those stories sell, and it's it's uh, just the way of the way of the world these days. And uh, you, you'll read you'll read a story about uh, about that more than you would about the the, the you know the good the good of a game. Chess. Two things I, w- I do want to point out. For one, I would say this with respect to the play, and and I maybe we should start looking at the idea that the league should consider re- changing the rule to a degree that, as opposed to penalizing, look. Even even if, even if there's no way that he would have that 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 return would have been caught, 
That was going in for a touchdown. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And I go back to the play back in 2014 of that Grey Cup where Brandon Banks is running one in for a touchdown. But there's a flag called some 20 yards behind the play that is ultimately not going to impact the score. And maybe, maybe we should start looking at if it's after the fact that, look, you weren't going to stop the guy to begin with, then why not penalize the play on the kickoff as that's, opposed that, to penalizing yeah. because that's you want fair. you want scoring yeah. you want scoring that, in the actually, league we want highlights we want that is plays. a rule James that is a rule that is a rule if, if it I know that on a, on, on a certain play if, if it's a blocker or a, a penalty or something that happens beyond the point that has no effect on the play they'll tag it onto the kickoff they won't take that they won't take back a touchdown unless it's uh, that's that's a, that's actually a rule. Yeah, that but but and that's time. but I I, I guess I, I guess I just don't see it enough on those plays where it seems so obvious that somebody's going in for a score, but it's it's constantly called back. So uh, you know, hey, maybe I'm wrong on that, but I just think that there's got to be a way to to tweak this to prevent impact plays uh, from being negated as a result of something that's happened 30 yards behind and. I just think that there's got to be something. There's got to be something to meet in the middle. The other thing that I thought was interesting is Rod Peterson, um, the voice of the Saskatchewan Roughriders. He made a note uh, in one of his blogs uh, the other day that the Argos had an opportunity to challenge that play and chose not to. Which and play? that was a reviewable play. That that is the million dollar flag. No, that the not, Argos had an re- opportunity to review that. Well, apparently, apparently it was, and at least, uh, the least the way that it was, the way that Rod laid it out uh, on on his on his blog, and that uh, the officials that he spoke to, and they pointed to a section in the rule book. Uh, I don't have the article in front of me right now, but the point you're being sure that he said that there was an the opportunity play? for the Argos sh- to review that play. Okay. Are you sure you're not talking about the play of the at the end of the game with the hit to the head for, on Ricky Ray? That play they could review. And that could have been over. No, no. Are you talking, about the, talking as, about the kick, the return? We'll talk about more yeah. about the kick, okay. yes. Uh, yeah, interesting. Well, that's the case. That's, uh, I didn't know that. And, and I, if I'm I, wrong, and if that. I'm wrong, I completely misread that, and I will totally eat humble pie, and I will apologize. But the way at least I read the article, it was that the Argos had an opportunity to review that play and chose not to. So, uh, look, is is it an indictment on the entire league and their officiating? No, but I think to your point, somebody dropped the ball and dropped the ball big time. Uh, it was a horrible call by the official, and it spoiled a really positive story and feel-good moment for the Canadian Football League. We're at a time, you know what, where we tend to... And you know what, I think we're, we're, we can be guilty of this an awful lot up here. Uh, it's, it's almost like the way we cover hockey sometimes. We take such a serious approach where, you know, if you compare the way that Major League Baseball or the NBA or the NFL is covered, you look at the panelists and, and, and everybody kind of likes to have some fun and everybody... There's personalities, and and the game is more just talked about the game. Where I find sometimes here we and and that's not a bad thing. And look, from a journalistic standpoint, it's it's great that we do. But 
I think it's sometimes we're almost a little too uptight the way we cover sports here in Canada. Uh, hockey is treated so serious. It is so serious. You don't see too many, you know, hockey is probably the least fun. And, and I think sometimes because there's so many of us in the media that, that cover hockey and then also we'll cover the Canadian Football League as well, or it's just the, the way we are sometimes, the way we cover sports. But it is an observation. Uh, it's a bit of a blanket statement here. But I do think that we're sometimes almost a little too serious and we focus uh, a little bit on on the negativity. I'm not trying to be the uh, the Iraqi information minister here and trying to put a spin <laughs> on this. But I think I think to your point, like it's, you know, the idea of officiating, um, it comes up, but it comes up in every sport. And, you know, there's a, there, you know, hey, look at Major League Baseball right now is dealing with inconsistent strike zones. And I've been dealing with it forever and ever and ever. So. Sometimes you live with the calls. Sometimes you you know you, you live and die with them each and every week. It just happens. There's a human element to it. Uh, the one thing I do want to point out, that Karen called us. Uh, hey, she's still getting $25,000 home theater package. Uh, you know what? They're taking her to the Grey Cup, her, and uh, they're giving her a couple of tickets to go as guests to uh, the Grey Cup. And so there's been a lot. There, hey, look, there's a lot of consolation prizes. And she's got 15 minutes of fame that has extended for a week, too. So, uh, but the theory that, you know, the, there was a whole conspiracy to try to screw her out of somebody handing out a million dollars. Let's not forget it was only 12 years ago that it was uh, Brian Deesberg who won the Wendy's kick for a million back in 2005. So there is a precedent of this league handing out a million dollars on a play, on a moment. And he had money. And let's be Another thing, let's be clear, the, the money doesn't come from the league's pocket. It's, there's, it's the sponsors and the insurance and all that. So anyone who thinks it's a conspiracy theory, add that to your theory there. It's slappies. <laughs> yeah, and Safeway and Sobeys, they have a ton of banks. So, I mean, almost as much as you, the- Almost as much as you, Sobolski. Let's get on to these matchups, baby. Almost as much as me, yeah. Um, hey, you know, a couple of, a couple of other uh, points just to, before we get into the Week 5 matchups. Uh, uh, Travis Lule lives. We, we touched on it with the Hamilton win. Um, Jonathan Jennings, the MRI came up negative, and so he's basically week to week right now. But can the Lions still contend if JJ is sidelined long term with Travis Lule at the show? Of course, of course. Travis is. Travis would start for several teams in the league, and it, you know, it was, it was evident to me when I looked at it that uh, you know Travis still wants to play. Travis wants to be under center. Travis will do whatever he's asked to do from the BC Lions to be a good team guy, and and. I've talked to Travis on several occasions, and and I have a pretty close relationship with Travis. And even to me, behind closed doors, he'll he'll say, "Hey, you know what? This is the role that I have right now, and and you know it's it is what it is. If I had a chance to play, you know, I'd be I'd be happy to play and and excited to play. So he Travis wants to play, but he also uh, is embraced his role there. He likes where he is in Vancouver. He's, his family situation is good, and he's. Uh, if they want to play Jonathan, the young guy, he supports Jonathan. But trust you, me, uh, when he does get under center and he does get the rock in his hand, he wants to show all that he's still uh, Travis Lule from. He still has what Travis Lule from 2011 had, and he's still a gamer. And if I think if Travis went to a couple other teams, he would have the you know the ability to transcend a team and, and make a big difference. He doesn't have, I think, the home run threat that I think. Uh, Jonathan Jennings brings but I will say this uh, Travis Lule is healthy he's a former MOP 
and more than capable and still relatively young when you compare him to some of the other starting quarterbacks around the CFL. I mean, Ricky Vince Ray, young, yeah. Kevin Glenn, Kevin Glenn, younger than younger than Darian Durant, younger than Ricky Ray, younger than Kevin Glenn. Uh, he's right there. So and he and he's finally had some time to let that uh, let that shoulder heal. So and as long as Brian Burnham's going to keep catching balls like he did last week, um They'll be just fine. Uh, and so, no, and, and Jonathan, nice story, though. I'm with you. Jonathan brings a dynamic that that uh, you can't overlook. He's he's got a live live arm. He's he's young. He's athletic. He's 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 a dynamic guy. And to beat to beat Calgary, you're gonna have to you know, be special. So, and I think uh, they got a pretty good one-two punch. So let's leave it at that. Done. Um, Jerome Messam, and I know there were some. Fans that were upset. There were a couple of fans that were upset uh, that we didn't talk enough about the Stampeders. So oh, yes. we're talking about them now. And Jerome Messam. We're talking about them got walking into Montreal and get getting the business from uh, from my old Alouettes there. Uh, and got spanked. And you don't even have Drew Tate at quarterback as an excuse this time. <laughs> and Rakeem Cato wasn't even under center for the Owls. <laughs> so, so Jerome Messam, uh, not only did he get tossed in that game against Montreal, but here's what I wonder. It's four games into the season. The good still far outweighs the bad in Calgary, but he's averaging less than four yards a, ca- uh, a carry and he's been handed the ball an awful lot. He's a, a, among the league leaders in terms of actual touches. Um, but something seems to be amiss with Jerome Messam. And I, I do wonder, is, is it cause for concern? It's early. Uh, this is not usually the time of the season where it's all about ground and pound once the weather gets colder. But, you know, less than four yards a touch. He's averaging, you know, le- about, what, about 50 yards a game, if that, right now. Um, he's 32, so I do wonder, is there a cliff all of a sudden? Is this, you know, there's there's been a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde over the course of Jerome Messam's career. When he's on, he's an outstanding Canadian. He leads the league in rushing. Uh, again, it's four games, but, you know, he's been tossed from a game already. There clearly looks like there's some frustration right now on Jerome Messam's part, but I wonder, is should there be a bigger concern with where we're at right now with Jerome Messam and the running game of the Calgary Stampeders? No. It's, Jerome is Jerome is a guy who wears you down uh, late in the game. He's, he's not going to make, uh, although he's shiftier, shiftier than you would think for a big guy, he's not going to make you miss uh, unless he's in the open field. And so, you know, the offensive line is a big part of that. He's got to – if you open up big holes for Jerome, you get that, that play-action game going and, and, you know, in regards to opening up the defense with Bo slanging the ball around and then now all of a sudden they, they add, add extra defenders to the, to the pass game or an extra safety high, you leave a light box for Jerome Messam and he sl- he's busts through the hole. He's a load in the open field and he's big and he's fast. And, and so, no, I don't think it's an issue at all. And you know what? When you have DeVaris Daniels – uh, you have, I mean, right now, Kamar Jordan, um, the way this kid is looking, um, they have they have two number ones to me right now. Like, DeVaris Daniels is a, is a number one guy. Kamar Jordan is coming on, and he's been there for three years. I mean, and he's kind of uh, relatively, I know, I think he played eight games last year. But this kid is, uh, this kid's a dog. He's got some fight in him. He's athletic. I got a chance to see him up up, uh, up live in person last week, and I was I marveled at, at the way he looks. He's a he's a nice athlete. He's tough. And then you got Marquay McDaniel, who is you know versus man to man coverage. 
you know, James, in a second and medium situation, if you play man against the Stampeders in a second medium situation, you might as well look over to the sidelines and tell the chain gang to move it up, move it up and start start a new series because they're going to get a first down. Marquette McDaniel is almost uh, he's almost unstoppable in second and medium because he's he gets in and out so quick. Him and Bo are on the same page. He, he runs such great routes. And then you got those two guys on the outside where if you try to bring someone in and bracket Marquette, you're going to have DeVaris or, or Kamar Jordan on the outside who are going to light you up. So, I mean, it's another reason for Jerome Messam and maybe uh, the lack of run game. And I know they have been running the ball, uh, you know, decent clip in regards to the amount of carries. So that's not the case necessarily. But I wouldn't be overly concerned because of just what you said. Winter time, later in the season, he's a load. You want him back there. Uh, and you, this passing game is what is is what the Stamps eat off of. And now if you couple that with Jerome in the second half of games when it counts, uh, I'm still very, very content having big Trey Trey in my backfield. Winter is coming. Winter is coming. Winter is coming. So, I, I okay, I, it's, I will say this. It's on the radar, just something to monitor, but obviously the body of work will tell change you that pace it anyway. should be Roy fine. Finch, so. change, of, change of pace. Roy Finch, when he went in there, he looked yep. good. And he's mm-hmm. he's got some juice to him. Yeah, He's good off the backfield. Uh, he's a good change of pace. So, yeah, you know what you get with Jerome. Jerome is a punishing back, and Finch is a – a scat back. So it's, I mean, you, you should have, you should have a, a change of pace anyway. Every, every team in the league has a change of pace guy. Sounds good. All right. Uh, I also want to uh, check in on uh, Ryan Phillips. Uh, Ryan Phillips was cut from the Montreal Alouettes uh, this week. The veteran, it, look, you're talking about a guy who's had a, who's been a perennial all-star, a multiple great cup winner, um, a guy who had a bad breakup, as as many players have with respect to the BC Lions, when Wally Buono, uh, you know, deems it's time to take a pay cut or it's time to go in a different direction. Uh, it's it's been an emotional 2017 for Ryan Phillips and the Alouettes parting ways with him uh, just over the last few days. I just want to say that I don't know if this is the end of the line for Ryan Phillips if another team takes a chance on him, but. You know, I just think that here's a guy who should be proud of what he's accomplished in the CFL. And I like Ryan a lot. And just, um, I don't know, just the social media, you know, begging and pleading for opportunities or, or retweeting from people saying that you can still play. You know what? That's great. And if you feel the need that you want to do it, it's your social media account. But at the same time, I would say this when I see with, with Ryan Phillips. This is a guy who's put together at least a consideration to be a Hall of Fame candidate. No doubt. For the no Canadian question. Football League. No there doubt. is no need. There is no need to validate what you've done. And if it's time, then you know what? I would say this. Congratulations on one hell of a career. Because the vast, overwhelming majority of players in the Canadian Football League would kill to have had a career the one that Ryan Phillips has just posted over the last 12 seasons. So 99, 99% of professional players would, 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 would die to have a career that, that Ryan's had. And so it, it's, it's frustrating for all, you know, it's, it, for Jesse, all guys. You've been, there. Who, you've been there. I'm yeah, sure it's emotional. Yeah, I mean, it, it is, it is. And, and you know what? And when you feel like you can still play, it's, it's frustrating. I know for me, my first year out, and I've, I've told the story a couple of times, but I, I'll tell it quickly. With Wally, 
Wally was, I was going back after I broke my arm in 2011, uh, or, yeah, two, 2011, my elbow. And then uh, Wally, I had surgery, came back, and, and I wanted to come back in 2012 because I wasn't happy with how I played in 2011, and I thought I could still play, and there was some... Uh, outside factors that played into that in regards to who was on the roster and what I, the situation I was kind of thrown in wasn't ideal for what was happening. And, and I, I said, hey, you know what? If I was thrown in a good situation, I know I could play well and yada, yada, yada. And then I, didn't, I wasn't there for that opportunity. And Wally basically said, hey, look, you know what? We're going to move in a different direction. We have a lot of respect for you. You're, you've had a great career. We want to just let you know now. And he gave me a chance to walk away. I was not able to watch football for the next year I didn't watch football at all. I did not follow the CFL. I didn't look at the NFL. I just I spent my time doing other things I wasn't able to look at. And I, I, I'm a huge fan of the game, too. Not just I don't just uh, play the game. I'm a huge fan. I watch every game. I rewatch. I'm a fan. And, uh, and I wasn't able to look at the game. It took me about a year and a half, and then I finally come back. So for Ryan, that might be the situation. I don't know if he's going to get picked up. I, I think BC would be the, the you know, ideal landing spot for the him. The ideal, just yeah, a, for sure. Yeah, because just because of... Uh, you know, he could end that way and he could be a backup guy. And I think that's ideally what they, or you know, originally what they wanted to do was have Ryan as a kind of a mentor and an extra DB back there in a, in a backup capacity. But I think now they've, they've got their roster pretty well set and they have backups already that are pretty good in, in, in the situation. So I don't think there's necessarily a fit for him there. But that being said, maybe he just steps away. I know he's got a young family. He's had a hell of a career. Maybe he steps away and, and is able to just get a step away from football. But if, if somebody needs a DB uh, and a guy who can play multiple positions, Ryan looked pretty good at camp. When I, when I got a chance, he was injured. But when he came back, he looked, he looked nice. And, and the coaches told me that he was actually um, one of their better guys. And so just the fact of you know, him being older and wanting to move in a different direction, I think, and not wanting to play him uh, anywhere other than free safety, I think, was the idea. But if a team does need a guy who can play – Multiple positions in a, in a pinch that Ryan is it, it will be there and I think uh, someone someone needs that then he'll he'll play if not then I'm with you James uh, you know tip of the tip of the hat to a guy who has had a, a heck of a career a real a real ball hawk great ball skills great instincts and um, he's been a heck of a player for a long long time. Maybe Hamilton can use some help for a couple of weeks until uh, until they get healed up. But yeah, no, exactly that point. It's just I would rather I would rather this moment be appreciated and and to to just be respectful, see where the chips go, as opposed to the hard feelings. Just I know it's an emotional time. I know it's an emotional business. And if anybody's ever been in that situation, I can I can totally empathize. You know, when you feel like you've been wronged some way professionally. And you want to take it out, but I don't know if social media is the best way to go. Sometimes it's best to just catch your breath, take a moment, as opposed to reacting. uh, reacting. And and, hey, as somebody who can be a bit of a hard-on-his-sleeve type of guy, uh, I can appreciate that. And it's it's been a struggle for me at times over the years, knowing when to just time to zip it because you know you just you're ready to go onto social media and just blast somebody or rip on somebody or crack on something so i get it but it's <laughs> you're I, telling you know, me we, yeah exactly thank you and, trust yeah, and, me there's a ton of us who've been there you know whether you know whether it's something is hey it goes back to like getting a ticket or something like that or if or if your mail gets screwed up or whatever it may be so uh, we've all been there, and I just I would rather this moment be celebrated if it is the end of the line, and as opposed to you know 
looking at sour grapes, but I, I, I regardless, this will pass. And I think when the when the day is done or years from now, we will look back on as Ryan Phillips as being one of the great, great defensive players of his generation and his time during the 2000s. And it, congratulations on a great career. And you know what? And if it's not done yet, then that's awesome. So. Uh, Ryan, we wish nothing but the best for you. Uh, all right, week five matchups. Uh, we might as well uh, start getting into uh, time for our CFL Pick'ems. Don't forget, it's a free game that you can play on CFL.ca, and you can have an opportunity for you, one of your friends, to head to the 105th Grey Cup in the nation's capital just by simply picking the right winners each and every week. So uh, not a bad week for you and I last week. As I think we both went 3-1, and one, but... Here we dive into a uh, jam-packed week number five because there's a bonus game involved, which may impact some fantasy football opportunities that Chesey will get into uh, shortly. But we start off with a Wednesday matchup with uh, Montreal and Ottawa. And don't look now, Ches, you know what's funny? I feel like a week ago we talked about the Montreal Alouettes and saying, you know, uh, this team's getting by on defense and they're, you know, they're scuffling offensively. But you look at the results and what they've done over the first month or so, or the first four games of the season, um, they're 2-2. Two and two. They're tied for top spot in the East Division uh, with an offense that probably isn't where they want to ideally be just yet with all the playmakers that they've added onto this team. But to go 500 against a, a, a schedule that has included Calgary, Saskatchewan, uh, Edmonton, and Calgary, Saskatchewan, Edmonton, BC, and BC, and, yeah, they and they've all, gone two, and they've west. gone two, and and yeah, they played all west, and they've gone two and two. That's yeah. pretty good. Well, they would if you asked, you know, at the beginning of the season after this, I looked at their opening, and this was an important season for for the Owls and the fan base, and you know the transition that that they're going through front office, and you know obviously the Anthony and the whole the whole situation. Um. This is important, and if you would, I looked at his schedule when it came out, and I said, "Oh man, like look at that! Look at the, the opening four games! Like that's a tough, that's a tough go." And so to be two and two, I think they have to be happy with it. What, what I would take away from the last game in particular with Darian Durant, the offense, is that Darian made he reminded me of Damon Allen a little bit, and Damon would be, and you've seen it over the years, see ball with Damon would be kind of like um de hum de hum da 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 da, and then when it really mattered. He would make the play, and whether it was whether it was with his feet on second and seven in a big situation, he'll tuck it and uh, beat a guy and juke a guy and dive for a first down, or he would step in there and make a big throw when he needed to. And that's what his numbers uh, weren't impressive. Darian again, needs Darian seems to need urgency. Yeah, I, yeah. I think he needs yeah. urgency to play better. I think there's well, a little bit of the lackadaisical maybe that yeah. that Da yeah. was guilty of for his career, but when it mattered. You look at Damon Allen's track record in big oh, games, especially in great matter. cups. No, yeah, no, no, DA no. was yeah. great, and and we don't appreciate enough of what DA did he in big games. He took two great games. cups from me. DA, DA went <laughs> two. He did. He beat me twice and beat me twice, and he. I think he was like 52 years old the second time, and he's just a gamer. Like he, <laughs> he would step up anyway. But yeah, but but Double D, I think hey, his numbers weren't all that impressive, but he made he made big plays when it when it mattered, and I, and I thought that was. And that was that was key to their to their success and I, their receiving court. I didn't see a lot of separation, you know, on the two big plays, one to BJ Cunningham, and then the opening play of the game to Ejac. Which great to see them get going. Ejac had over a hundred yards, 
Um, but 80 of them was on one play, and there was a, it was a, there was a you know a DB fell down uh, on both on BJ's and his, which you know doesn't negate the fact that you got, you got to beat them to make them fall down. Uh, but those you take away those two big plays, and their numbers are uh, pedestrian as well. So I haven't seen a ton of separation with the receivers. I think we need to get more find more ways to get these guys into space. And then you know, but but at the end of the day, uh, I'm supposed to give a pick here because I'm just talking about the thing. But to give a pick, I, I like. I like Montreal in this in this game, and only only because the, I feel their confidence is at a at a at a at a high right now. And I, you know, and this is a this is a shock pick, Seaball, uh, because I know that yep. Ottawa is favored, and I know that uh, Ottawa, um, you know, this is a and they're winless. Them. I don't yeah, know if it's, it's that big a shock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, well, it is. I think it, it would be if you you know Las Vegas styles is going to be a they're going to be yeah. a, a, a large favorite. But I like Montreal just because I feel like this is a crucial game for them, and I think they realize they're on the they're on the cusp of uh, you know you know maybe 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 setting a, a tone to be uh, the team to beat in the East. Well, it, it could be a statement. It sounds like the Popo is ready to come and take you away here right now uh, on your world, but. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Don't joke. Um, don't joke. Don't joke around. I, I, listen, I, I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Ottawa, and but I also, but I'm also, I've got a big caution flag on this one here because uh, this is this is a a horrible horrible stretch right now for the Red Blacks that. You know, I think we've kind of given. I think a lot of people have given Ottawa a hall pass. They've come up short. The games have been tight. They, you know, offensively, you look at what they've done. The numbers have been spectacular from Trevor Harris. He's averaging about 350 yards passing a game. Ellingson Sinopoli up there. Uh, but again, every every time I see Ottawa come up on the losing end in these first four weeks, it's because they're on the wrong side of these big plays. And I think after Wednesday. If Ottawa comes up short again, I think this is where the alarm bells go off. This is a game I think there's going to be a lot of pressure, and I and I think there's going to be some of those jitters where Montreal can kind of play a little fast and loose here. To your yeah. point, I think that's advantageous for the road team here. But I think Ottawa, um, there's some desperation now. I think Ottawa needs this game. I like Ottawa to get it done. But I'll tell you what, we've all kind of sat there and said, and everybody's, ah, Ottawa's fine, they're fine, they're fine. I'm just as guilty as, and you and I have done it over the last couple of weeks. But the fact is, four weeks in, 0-3-1. They have yet to win a game, the defending Grey Cup champions. Uh, They can easily turn it around this week, but this is a brutal stretch with three games in 11 days. Give me the defending champs to beat the Owls here, but... um, but I'm nervous as I make this pick. We go to Thursday, Hamilton, Edmonton. Uh, Edmonton rolls into Steeltown to take on the Tabbies. Chessie, it's it's crazy because the numbers will tell me everything that I should be taking Edmonton. Um, Hamilton's lost nine of their last 10 games, including last year's playoff appearance. Uh, overall, 13 losses in their last 17 games. The Tavies are an absolute mess right now. And yet, I think I am going to go with your uh, mindset from last week. I think they are a wounded team. They're a desperate team. And I think somehow, some way, the Tabbies seem to play well against Edmonton based on the last... Uh, I know they came up short at Tim Hortons Field in the playoffs last year. But I think the Tabbies find a way to get it done this week. I think yeah. this is uh, 
This is what they need, and I think they're going to find a way to beat Edmonton, who lost another key player on the defensive side of the football to injury last week. Um, but it's uh, I, I think somehow Bonar, I, I'm just going. Adam, I'm just going with the gut. I'm going with the gut. Yeah, week. Edmonton lost Adam Conard, who's the backup. The backup will now they're going to the third will. But uh, yeah, yeah I, I, it's going to be a close game. I'm with you. I think the Hamilton plays plays well. Their backs against the wall. Um, they play well, but I think Edmonton wins. But it's going to be close. Okay. Uh, Winnipeg um, at BC. I, you know what? Give me the Lions to keep things going right now. I just think uh, offensively yeah. they're they're really clicking right now. This is one though. I think Winnipeg really really wants though. I mean, this is a real. I, I to me, this is a bit of a put up uh, or shut up moment. Nah. I think for the Bombers. Doesn't matter. Where... Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. They're out. They're going. They're on the road, and they're not. They're nowhere near as talented as BC, and they're on the road. BC will. You take, you're taking the lot. You're taking the Lions on that one also, too. I'm, I'm, and also, I will. What I was what you mentioned earlier about the fantasy, there's a little bit of a uh, of some value pick for you uh, guys that play the TSN CFL fantasy game. If you if you haven't signed up, uh, join uh, join our group, the Waggle. Uh, start your own group. Uh, it's free and uh, and I'll give you a li- your first piece of advice for the for this uh, TSN CFL fantasy, and that is Travis Lule is listed this week uh, under quarterbacks. Quarterbacks usually go for you know between. In nine nine thousand, and I think the most was fourteen thousand with Mike Riley at one point. Uh, and this week, Mike Riley, or do you mean Mike, Mike Riley? That's the last time we do that this season. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's a uh, yeah. So so they have right now as of today. I don't know that was, before we started they had they had Lule as a listed as a backup quarterback salary, which was. He can get Lily for forty five hundred bucks, which um, that was what he was listed as last week as the backup. Now, if he starts the game and you can get him for forty five hundred, you're really improving your roster. Uh, you're saving a huge. You 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 would normally pay around you know at least at least nine thousand for for Lule's numbers he put up last week. So that's a little little tidbit for you fantasy guys. Jump on Lule now, and you can get him for the price of a backup quarterback. And I won't tell you what to do if he doesn't start. Or is it worth, or or is it, or is it worth getting two Ottawa plays out of this week? Yeah, and that's that's another strategy too. Is that there is, uh, and I do. Uh, I'm not only well, yeah, I can get a few of my picks out, but yeah, I, I do have uh, I do have two Ottawa players because you are getting two games out of Ottawa. They have the price is raised, so Ottawa players this week because it's a game Wednesday and Monday. They both count as Week Five games, um, and the price is, has been has been adjusted uh, accor- accordingly. So. Um, but I still think there's a little bit of value in that because it's not it's not two times the price. So I think that there's some value in that as well. Um, yeah. Saturday okay. So we go to we go to Cal- Calgary. Saskatchewan and Calgary. Um, boy, this is this is an intriguing one. I want. I'm I'm in, I'm curious to what we're going to see from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders coming off a of bye week. Uh, does that confidence carry over after you've had that bye week where they picked up that much needed first win? I, I still think the Stamps are going to get this done here at home. I don't know if uh, if the Riders are there just yet, but I, I like the Stamps. But I am very, very curious to see what we're going to get from Chris Jones's company this coming weekend. I think the I think the, the Riders have a legit shot at win, winning this game. They're coming off, like you said, yeah. coming off the bye, bye week, and uh, Calgary's got a little bit of some injuries to their defensive line. Their their uh, their depth has been tested. Luckily. They have depth that Dave actually said prior to the season that this was the deepest defensive line he's, he's ever been a part of, which is great because they've had, I think they've had four or five injuries already. And they, they have the most guys on, they had 
14 guys, I believe, last week. Mark Stevens, play-by-play guy for the Stamps. Uh, I was talking to him before the game. He said that they had 14 guys on the six-game injury list. I was like, what? Is that even possible? Um, but, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, I like I like Saskatchewan to give Calgary a game. I'll, I'll take uh, – I'm going to take Saskatchewan. I'll, I'll take Saskatchewan. Um, just try to gain some gain some uh, some points here. I don't know if uh, if they'll beat the Stamps, but I'm going to take them because uh, I think why it's going to be close. I think it's going to be close, and why not? Why not? Uh, and and it just and it's but what's funny is yeah, as good as Calgary was last year, the Stamps are in pretty much the exact same spot that they were in at this time a year ago, where they had two wins, a tie, and a loss this early in the season. So. Uh, they can easily break on out here, uh, or we'll see. Or maybe, or maybe Sasky keeps the Stamps within the pack uh, a little more this coming season. We go to uh, the final game of week number five, and uh, it's a special one in Toronto as the Argonauts are arg- uh, are acknowledging or honoring. They've got a bo- Doug Flutie bobblehead. Uh, they're honoring the '96 '97 dynasty run of the back-to-back Grey Cup championship teams that were so dominant, maybe the most dominant run in CFL history in back-to-back years, uh, 15 win seasons each year. Uh, they've got 1997 pricing for two tickets uh, for 1997. They're really looking to try to just pack the uh, pack BMO field and get a lot of fans out there, enticing with the bobblehead as well. Uh, a lot of marketing play here. I uh, think Flutie's going to be in the house as well to take on the Red Blacks. So it should be an amped up crowd. Should be a good crowd at BMO, uh, and I just wonder if Ottawa's going to have anything left. Uh, anything left after playing? How? Tell me this, as a player, how hard is three games in eleven days? Uh, not bad if you're taking HGH. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a joke, ladies and gentlemen. That's a joke. No, that's it's a uh, joke. Ex- yeah, it's exactly. Extremely, yeah. Ex- extremely difficult. Um, yeah. by the recovery, recovery. Maybe some D ball in your body too. And, uh, you know. <laughs> the, re- the recovery is extremely difficult. Uh, you know, especially for the older guys, that will be uh, be, be tough. But uh, it's part of the game, and that's part of uh, the CFL schedule, and that's what we all have to go through. So, uh, yeah, it's a difficult uh, difficult stitch, but uh, it is what it is. You know, I, I think based on this one here, give me, you know what, give me Ottawa. Give me Ottawa. I think this is the week Ottawa's going to turn it around, and maybe that's uh, maybe that's like, the homer in me. But I, yeah. I just thought Ottawa. Ottawa Ottawa knows what they have to do to beat Toronto, and it's they've just got to ease up on those mistakes. And this is exactly what has shot them in the foot all year. I think Ottawa's the more talented football team. We don't know the health of Ricky Ray after just – you know what? After getting absolutely throttled in a, just a – just a dirty shot last week in that Hamilton in that Winnipeg game as well. Um, that's disappointing to see. But and, and you know what? And part of me, I, I know that they haven't done a great job protecting him on that offensive line so far this season, based on some of those early numbers. But that's not a, a fault from the offensive line. That was a late hit. That was cheap. The pocket. You know, I mean, Ricky was scrambling at that point in time. But uh, I didn't like that at all. But now we'll see if Toronto can. Uh, you know, life without Ricky Ray. Um, we'll see, and and who knows if Ricky's Ricky's back next Monday. They've still got some time to see, but uh, I didn't like seeing it. But I think I'll, give me Ottawa here on the Monday game as well. And uh, after a brutal stretch for them, I'm with you. I got I got Ottawa. All right. Um, and uh, don't forget to play CFL TSN Fantasy Football. You can go head-to-head, match up with Chezzy for an opportunity for you to win a chance 
to the 2017 Grey Cup in our nation's capital. Uh, we mentioned that they were going to be honoring the 96-97 uh, Argos dynasty uh, coming up in just a matter of moments. Uh, we're going to catch up with uh, one of the stars from that team, Pee Wee Smith, Adrian Smith, who was uh, one of the all-time great defensive players uh, in his time and, uh, you know, in CFL history for that matter. Great player. And uh, we'll catch up with him and look back on some of those memories from uh, what a cast of characters from that time. Uh, Chesie, a little before your playing days uh, in the mid-90s there, but, uh, man, what an impressive cast of characters. Lots of rock stars. Don Matthews' team uh, winning those back-to-back Grey Cups. No shortage of star power and some incredible numbers that Doug Flutie posted uh, that certainly left the CFL on a high before going back down to the National Football League. If you haven't subscribed already, you can find us in iTunes. It's free and a brand new episode and edition of The Waggle goes right to your device, your smartphone, or your tablet each and every week. He's Davis Sanchez. My name is James Sabalski. Thank you so much for listening. Until we hand out a million dollars on this show, which will be never. Unless Chesney wants to make it rain. Right, buddy? Bye. Bye, friend. Special guest joining us here on The Waggle this week as we uh, look back on one of the most dominant runs in CFL history by a team. I'm talking about the 1996 and 1997 back-to-back Grey Cup champion Toronto Argonauts, a key member of that team. Adrian Smith, we know him as Pee-wee. <laughs> That's my horrible Pee-wee Herman uh, impression. Did you, like, Where did Pee-wee come from anyway, uh, Adrian? Where did that come from? Um, actually, the name Pee Wee came uh, from a guy by the name of John Moten um, when I played in Hamilton in 1994. So John Moten was a middle linebacker there. Um, I was a rookie, and during training camp, you know, I made a good play one day, and obviously nobody knows a rookie's name. And so he looked at me, he's like, good job, Pee Wee, because I was obviously short of stature. And so that name kind of stuck for that year. And then – Coincidentally, um, a group of those guys, including Greg Mons, the late Greg Mons, uh, we all went to Memphis Mad Dogs uh, that next year, '95. So, a core group of those from Hamilton came down to Memphis. So, it's, you know, it carried over to Memphis. Then those same core group of guys came to uh, Toronto in 1996. And then it stuck in Toronto, and obviously I've been in Toronto ever since. So that's the origination of the name of Pee Wee, John Moten. John, uh, back John, Moten. John Moten Correct. was the guy to blame, and uh, no relation to Lawrence Moten, uh, by the way, was it? The no relation, not, not to the best of my knowledge. No. Okay. All right, fair <laughs> not enough. to the best of my knowledge, just, all right. You know, just a, a name that it kind of, uh, from the past, went, ding, okay, I remember a sports day from that. Um, can you believe it's been 20 years since this 96, 97 um, run? I cannot believe it's been 20 years. Um, obviously, you know, we all been out the game for a long period of time, and nobody really counts the years they've been out of the game. But, you know, if you look back on it, you look at 1996, 97, you know, it seemed like it was just yesterday. But, you know, in actuality, it was, it was 20 years ago. So, yeah, don't, don't, don't know it's been that long. I just can't, I just can't believe it, man. Like, I, I feel like when I see you, I still think, man, the guy still looks like he can play. You still look like you're in great shape for that, man. Like, you still, you, you still you got that youthful look about you. 
I don't know if it's an oil of Olay or, or what you're doing, but uh, do you... uh, actually, actually, it's Noxzema. Noxzema. I learned <laughs> that from my great from my grandmother when I was in my teens. That use Noxzema, it'll work for you for the rest of your life. But uh, you know, my my I'm still involved in in sports. My son keeps me keeps me young. My kids keep me young. He's heavily involved in football and sports. So I get my fix through there. So I still run around with the kids a little bit. You know, I still got it a tad bit. My son beat me running for the first time at. 16 years old last year, so I passed the torch along to him, and, and I can't run anymore. <laughs> wow, it happens. It's finally happening, huh? Oh, man. It finally I feel like happened. I still, I feel like I still got my kids beat uh, for now, but uh, they're they're coming up quick. They're not they're not as old as your 16-year-old, but I, I feel like I got another couple of years to hang on, but like when we're playing games like Memory and stuff like that, I'm totally screwed. So, uh, so I can appreciate that. Uh, tell me this. I mean, the personalities on that team, uh, so many of them, uh, obviously it's easy when you win, but with some of those characters, some of those rock stars, and dare I say egos, how was it all managed? You know, the the funny thing you, you say, you said egos was the last word you mentioned, yeah. and I can guarantee you this, nobody had an ego. Really? Um, nobody had an ego, and everybody... Probably not everybody, but a few people probably had the right to have an ego, i.e., uh, Doug Flutie, many multiple uh, MVP awards, i.e., Pinball Clemens, you know, uh, the great great returner, you know, great playmaker, um, Robert Drummond, uh, Vanderjack, um, O'Shea, um, Givens, you know, I can put names on and on and on. And nobody had an ego, and I think that stems from uh, the top down. Obviously, the late um, Don Matthews. You know, he he came in there, and he just changed the culture overnight. And he said, "This is the way it's going to be. That's the way it was." And everybody bought in immediately, immediately. And he would say, he would tell us, he's like, "Hey, you can do it your way. If it works, that's fine." But if it doesn't work, you're going to do it my way. And if that doesn't work, you're going to be out of there. <laughs> so, I mean, he set, he set the tone from from day one of training camp. The tone was set, and there was no questions asked about it. And, I, and I'm, I'm dead serious when I say that every ego was checked at the door. Every single ego was checked at the door. It, it's, just, uh, it, it's just remarkable. And I, I always think back when I was breaking into the business and I was relatively young at the time, at least I like to think I was, but I was, I remember that 90, <laughs> that 96 team, you guys. And I was, I was based in Ottawa covering the Ottawa rough riders final season. And I mean, obviously the riders were a mess at that time. There was the whole horn Chen and, you know, it was save the team and all of that. But I remember you guys coming through one particular year or one week and, I remember I was wanting to interview a guy Rob Waldrop who had played for the played yeah. defensively yeah. who was part of the who was part of a, who was a really good college player uh, with the Arizona Arizona Mountains, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and come on up playing with you guys and I couldn't find him to interview and I was just working in radio at the time and and I remember of all the people of all the people who stopped me who could see that I was clearly lost or looking for someone it was Doug Flutie and he mm-hmm. said, "Who are you looking for?" And I said, "I'm I'm looking for Rob." And he's and I remember him stopping and going into the room, into the you know into the locker room, looking around, into the room on the on the the south side stands at 
old Frank Clair Stadium, and he and he went into the room, and about five minutes later, I figured, oh, okay, he's probably just doing whatever, and you know. And, and, right. But Doug came back out, and he came over to me, and he said, you know what? I don't see him anywhere right now, but when I see him, I'll let him know he's looking. You're looking for him, and I, I was like, "Wow, right. thanks!" And the fact that he even just remembered that little moment to come over to me and say, "Look, I, I looked for him, right. and I couldn't find." But of all the players, of all the people to do right. that, it was Doug Flutie, and that was, I mean, for yeah, a guy who was a lowly radio guy. I mean, was, like, was he that kind of guy and, for everybody? And, that, and that's and that, that's what I meant by like, oh, he goes and checked at the door, like. You know, he's a he's a fun loving guy. You know, he's a guy, you know, great guy. I mean, I've got stories about about that even when we went to Buffalo together in ninety eight. But you know, he's 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 just he's just a down to earth guy. Like you say, he has every right to, to have an ego, to you know, to blow anybody off and be like, you know, whatever, you know. If he's not here, he's not here, you know, no harm, no foul. You know, he you're not looking for him, right? You're looking for somebody else. So you know, that's just the type of person he was, that's the type of person that a lot of guys on the team were, you know, from, again, from Mazzotti uh, down to Jimmy the Jet Cunningham to, you know, other players, right? That's the, that's how everybody was. And everybody got along in that locker room. It was just made it so fun to come to work. It wasn't even work. It really it really wasn't even work. To come into the stadium, to play for a coach that we played for, to have the team that we had, it was just so much fun, and it wasn't even work. Did it? Did it come easy for you guys as a team? Because you guys, I think, lost. You know, first, I think you guys lost your first game, didn't you, as a team? I yeah, to, lost first game to Hamilton. Lost first game to Hamilton in, in a shootout game. And um, at that point in time, I don't think we knew how good we were. Um, we knew on paper, right? You know, probably had you know the talent that we had on paper, but we didn't know how good we were. Again, this is a first-year team. Not a lot of people had holdovers from the 95 team that were there, right? So we just a smorgasbord of talent just put together. So nobody knew how good we could be, you know, and then we lose that first game. You know, I don't think we were demoralized, right? It's just one game. You're not going to, you know, lose a season off of one game. But, you know, we had to jail. We had to find chemistry. We had to figure out how we were going to fit people in. You know, Pinball was moving into a new role at receiver at that point in time. Robert Drummond came over as, you know, a running back, and he could be split out wide and play receiver. Like, so we're trying to figure out, or Doug was trying to figure out, how we could use these different type of players on offense for matchup problems against the defense. And obviously once we figured that out, we got rolling. On the defensive side of the ball, right, we had to learn each other's uh, new defense. Coach Matthews was always putting in something new, some type of wrinkle and stuff like that in there. We had to gel together. We had a lot of talent on that side, even when Reggie Givens came back and when – uh, 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 Michael Shea came back and things of that sort. But once we got on, on one accord as far as that, that's concerned, we could peel our ears back and just fly because we knew we were going to get points on the board. Right? We, weren't, we, weren't, we weren't a type of team that was struggling to put points on the board. You don't know if we're going to score. Right? We had the best quarterback in the league. So on defense, we were allowed to take more chances and be more aggressive. And thus far, we became successful on our side of the ball also because we made a lot of turnovers, caused a lot of plays. And it just everything just worked together as one. And for for those two years, it was just it's just a joy to joy to play play the game. So a good football. O- so a good offense makes for a good defense where you can be a little more aggressive. hundred percent. I mean, any you know, I've been on I've been on teams on on the Toronto Argonauts where you know you're not going to score. <laughs> and I'm not going to call I remember out those, some of those, those teams. Seasons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and it, I'm not even exaggerating. We 
Coach would literally come to us on beef and be like, you got to hold him. Like, you got to hold him. You can't let him score. Like, you know, we got to score twice on defense for us to have a chance. Like, like really? Like, we're not even on offense. How do we get to score twice on defense? But it was literally – I've been on teams where they literally told us that, right? And I'm not even lying. So, you know, I've been on teams like that where, you you know, you have to be a little bit passive. You know, you can't be as aggressive. You got to, you know, be a little bit more conservative, you know, because you don't know when the points are going to come. But when you know there's going to be points on the board, right, you know, hey, if I make a mistake – you know, the offense is going to pick me back up or the defense is going to pick me back up or a special team is going to pick me back up, right? So it wasn't that fear of making a mistake back then because we just knew we were going to put points on the board. Yeah, who was, who was, that, who was that voice defensively for you guys? Who was that, uh, who was that person that kind of settled everybody down oh. or, or kind of brought the, or brought the defensive group together because, to give you, know, you guys I, a sense of personality and identity? Well, it wasn't. It wasn't like a. It wasn't like a quarterback situation or Doug Footy where he could talk to the huddle and you know calm everything down. What 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 I think we had was on defense was a group of veterans, right? And so everybody knew what the pulse of the defense was. Obviously, you had your play caller, the guy who gets the signals in from from the from the defensive coordinator, which is usually the middle linebacker. But outside of the outside of calm the defense, everybody had a hand in making sure that everybody was calmed down. Again, we had a lot of veterans, Donald Smith, Ed Berry, uh, Marcelo Simmons, uh, Alex Gordon, uh, Tim Cofield, um, Michael Shea, Reggie Givens, Oscar Giles, Johnny Harris, right, Lester Smith. How did you right? I mean, everybody. everybody? That's so many good <laughs> players. You forget sometimes, man. It's insane. So, so many good players, so many all-stars. Like, yeah. And so, again, all that stuff was worked out in practice. It really was worked out in practice. So, you know, you, you didn't. If I if I'm a three time also, I don't need to be calmed down. If I'm a five time also, I don't need to be calmed down. You know, if I'm a two time also, I don't need to be calmed down. You just know the pulse of the situation. It wasn't like we had a bunch of young guys running around there. You had one or two veterans that had had to say, "Hey, shut, you know, shut up. You know, do this, do that." It wasn't like that. Everybody was a veteran. You know, so we didn't have to we didn't have to worry about you know being calmed down. The moment was never bigger than us. You know, we already we we already been there. We've already done that. And then when you when you practice against the best quarterback in the league and practice every day, psh, the games came easy. Yeah, I, I'm I'm sure it was probably an easy prep when you had to deal with line up against Duck Flutie in practice each and every week. I thought, just the personalities you mentioned, even offensively, Drummond, Jimmy, the, Jimmy it, the Jet, Mazzotti. I mean, the list okay, goes on and that's on. that's where that's where a lot of the trash talking and the competition came was during practice. Again, you got Mazzotti, you got Pinner, you got Jet, you got Drummond. You got Mookie, you know, going against me, Marcelo, Johnny Harris, Ed Berry, Donald Smith, you know, whatever. That's you. That, during Pascal, as far as as far as our position is concerned, the skill position is concerned, that's where the trash talk came. That's where the <laughs> that's that's where that's where the fun came. That's where the game was. Did it get the game? Practice was the game. The game was practice. <laughs> yeah. So so tell me this. Did it did, did it did it get heated? On the practice? Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Oh, yeah. I mean, not, not heated to the fact that, to the point where you hated one another, but just that level of competition, right? You know, because nobody wanted to get beat. Nobody wanted to get burnt. Nobody wanted to get showed up. You know, the defense one didn't always want to beat the offense and vice versa. Oh, you're going you to set Flutie in, in, in a practice? Oh, he's flustered. He's mad. He's pissed. He's going to the film to see what you did, what, you know, to try to, to rectify the situation. Vice versa, you throw a touchdown on us, we're going to go to the film and see, hey, what did we do wrong? Where's the breakdown at? Blah, blah, blah. Right? So, again, practice was the game, and the game was practice. So that, that, that competition got you, got you ready each and every week. So, so there's, there has to be a story that stands out from a, from a, practice, uh, from a practice moment, one of those two years that, that kind of stands out for you. 
you know, as, as far as stories are concerned, um, I can't say that there's one that, that really stands off, off the top of my head. Uh, you called me and asked me to do this interview yesterday, and I didn't, didn't know what, the, what your question was going to be. So if I would have had time to think, I probably could have came up with one. But the real story oh, you're is... Me, you're blaming me on this, Adrian. <laughs> All right, thanks a lot. The, the, real, the, real story, the real story is the locker room. That's yeah. the real story. And the story there is there were, again, there were no egos, a lot of personalities, um, a lot of camaraderie, and a lot of people that just got along. I think the best thing about us is not only did everybody get along, but everybody, offense and defense, like everybody went out together. Like we went to the clubs together, went out to dinner together. You know, we did everything together. And again, Matthews promoted that, and we and we embraced that. And I, I guarantee you, nobody, you know, in in a locker room like that, you know, there's bound to be some issues, some concerns along the way. And it, there, there's none. There, there really was none. And everybody really thoroughly liked each other. We played dominoes together. We played ping pong together. There's a ping pong table in, in the locker room, domino table in the locker room. The meeting place was the locker room, whether it was watching film, whether it was just hanging out, eating uh, chicken or pizza, Flutie would buy chicken and pizza, um, um, Pinball would buy chicken and pizza. Uh, if you were late for a meeting, you would have to buy chicken or pizza. So, you know, even though, like, you know, your your punishment your punishment was to make everybody else happy. So we didn't get fined money, like, you know, 100 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever the fine, fine fee was. We got fined. You got to buy chicken for everybody. And that was it. You know, every Friday, hey, who got chicken? Who got chicken? So, I mean, it was fun. You, you wanted somebody to be late for meetings. So you could just say, you knew, hey, I got chicken. I mean, and, and I'm, I'm legitimately, that's what it was. That's what made it so fun, right? Even your punishment was fun. So the defining symbols and images of the 96-97 Argos dynasty, chicken and pizza. Chicken and pizza. <laughs> chicken and pizza. The, the, the locker room, the locker room. That's the final moment, yeah. the locker room. And, was... they, and there was times, I'll tell, tell you one story, I'll tell you one story. This happened a couple of times. Coach Matthews would come to us. Um during the middle of the week, I don't, you know, now he didn't do it all the time. He did, he did it a few times over the 96, 97 years. He's like, he come into the locker room and say, hey, can you, he might have used a choice word in there, can you guys, that's how the guys might yep. use another word, yep. can you guys guarantee me a victory today? Uh, can you guarantee me a win this week? Yeah, coach, we can guarantee you a win. Go home. No practice today. But nobody left that practice facility. Everybody stayed there. Whether they lifted weights, whether they watched film, whether they got extra treatment in the treatment room, whether they hung back in the locker room to play ping pong or dominoes, it didn't matter what they did, what we did, we didn't go home. Even though we had the day off, we didn't go home. That's the dedication. That's the, the commitment level that everybody had from top to bottom on that team. Coach Matthews gave us the opportunity to go home. No practice. Nobody left. Everybody still put their time in. That was the culmination of the 96-97 football team. You know, it's funny to think that Chris Jones used a page out of the old Don's playbook last year with uh, with the game against, uh, I think, in Ottawa for, for the Riders last year, and they wound up pulling out the win. The old, the old guarantee trick, uh, which uh, mm-hmm. I, I think players that, that played under Don will recall fondly and, and obviously seem to work effectively with you guys as a team. 
um, at that time, just because of the talent that you guys just had. It's it's unbelievable. Who was the singer of the group in the room then? The singer? Yeah, was there anybody who uh, was the singer? When the music's oh, playing, was there a dancer? Who was who was the? No, so every so everybody had everybody had to perform. Okay. So we had this thing the day before the game where each and every week someone was was uh, handpicked by coach that you had the entertainment for the week. So everybody had their fair share. It was one guy on offense, one guy on defense usually, so two guys. So everybody had their opportunity throughout the season that they had to do some type of performance, whether it be sing, whether it be dance, whether it be tell a story, whatever it was. So um, so each and every week everybody had to have their, their chance in the middle of the circle to do whatever talent they wanted to do or whatever thing they wanted to do. So it wasn't just one person. It was everybody that was involved in that. What's, what's Monday, what's Monday going to be like to, to get back out there, to get on the field, to get the band back together again, so to speak? Um, it'll, it'll be good to get everybody, to see everybody again, uh, to catch up. Obviously, life happens and people go in different directions. And the, most of the U.S. guys go back to the U.S. and the Canadian guys stay here. There's a few guys that from the U.S. that stay here, such as myself and some other people. And there's people that'll be missed that can't come because they're coaching and with other teams and other cities and things of that sort. But um, just to just to see uh, some of the guys again will be fun uh, to relive some moments, relive some stories, uh, relive some 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 memories. You know, it's always you know good to see people when you haven't seen them in a while, and whether it be 20 plus years, whether you keep in touch uh, over Facebook or Instagram or whatever social media sites you're on. It's just going to be good to have everybody back in one place again, and 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 just to see where everybody is and see that everybody's healthy, and hope that everybody's healthy. And, and share you know that's that's the big part get the locker room back together and just and just share and i guess remember the don too who uh who, who just left yeah. us not too long ago too yeah 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 that'll, that'll be sad that he you know he won't be able to share this moment obviously i think he'll he'll be there in spirit and uh and he is he is he is truly missed he is truly missed if uh if fans and uh and longtime cfl aficionados uh want to find you these days uh where where can we find you these days on social media anywhere we can check in <laughs> i am not on any social media sites really? i do not do i don't do facebook i use my wife's facebook account my friends keep in contact with me through her as far as social media is concerned they have my number and all, I have email and everything like that but uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook. I have Snapchat. I have none of that stuff. Twitter. I have none of that stuff. There you go. I am, I am in the ministry. <laughs> there you go. He is living under a rock in 2017. No, I'm kidding. Hey, listen, Pee Wee. I I appreciate you taking the time and thanks for sharing the stories and the memories. It's it's crazy to think that it's been 20 years already, but the gray hair on my head certainly reminds me that maybe some time has passed. Um, maybe I need to start using more of that cream that uh, that keeps you in that fountain of youth. Yeah, so. that Noxzema, that Noxzema. Noxzema, Noxzema, there you go. Um, yeah, stay hydrated, stay moisturized. Um, Adrian Smith, Pee Wee, the one and only, the Argos, uh, one of the all-time great dynasties in Canadian Football League history, being set to be honoured on Monday at BMO Field. Adrian, thanks for doing this, and uh, let's do it again real soon sometime. No, no problem, appreciate it.